0: Thank you. Thanks Judith. So we're starting a short Advent and Christmas series this week uh, called Christmas Reset. Yeah, there it is. Traditionally, Advent is a time, a season of reflection, a time of taking stock and preparation. And the idea really (coughs) is for spiritual thinking and preparation, but of course, what it usually ends up being is consumer thinking and planning, what do I need to buy? How much does it all cost? And our preparation is consumer preparation. What size turkey do we need? Are the outside lights working? What Christmas pudding shall we have and what will everyone want to have with it? Do we need custard and brandy cream and clotted cream like we do in our house? You know, and those are good things, wanting a good time for our family and with our family, wanting there to be joy and generosity and feasting and love. I think something important gets lost in all of that. Any spiritual reflection or preparation that we might want to do gets drowned out in this avalanche of other kinds of preparation. And lost in all of that busyness, all of that doing, actually any sense of the presence of God can disappear. And so on the two Sundays that we've got before Christmas, and there are only two because I'm not counting next Sunday, which is our Alive, Service. On the two Sundays that we've got this December, I want to just stop and ask, how is your heart this Christmas? How is your soul in this season? Has your sense of self got buried by everything that's going on? Let's dig it out again and just take these two opportunities just to focus in on our soul life. The only way that we can experience, really, the hope that Christmas brings, that we talk about, the peace, the renewing life of God, the only way is to go to the source, to go to the source of life, the very source itself, to go to God. Come, all you who are thirsty, come and drink of water that is life-giving, for your soul and so in our Christmas reset I want to just give you some tools that will help us to do that and today our title is simplify so we're going to turn to scripture together now and I've got two readings this morning the first one is from Matthew chapter 6 and I'm starting at verse 19 it will be on the screen for you and money and now down to verse 31 so do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Let's pray. Living God, as your word lies open before us, will you come and speak to us through it? Speak to us the words that our hearts need to hear, that will give us blessing and strength and peace this Advent season. We are here for you, come and speak, Holy Spirit. Amen. So the reason I've chosen the word simplify today is because this is a time of year when nothing feels simple, actually. Things can feel more than usually complicated, more than usually pressured at this time of year. And in our reading from Matthew, the first reading, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to go to the source of life and how to live a life that is sustained by the living water of God. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Store your treasure in heaven. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus is in full flow here in the somewhat bumpy ride of his teaching that has come to be called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is all about how to live the best life, how to live the blessed life. And as is typical in this chapter of Matthew, chapter six, Jesus structures his teaching as don't do that do this, so he doesn't just tell them what to do. He puts steel into its backbone by telling them what they are not to do, and that's important because these are things that we are definitely prone to doing. Jesus knows that, he knows exactly what we're like, and he puts it out there uncompromisingly. Do not store up treasures for yourselves on earth. Who, me? Would I do a thing like that? Of course I would. We all do. And to some extent, your treasures might be non-tangible things, like what people think of you, Uh, people thinking well of you, keeping up appearances, succeeding and being successful in what you do, And of course, other people seeing that success. But it will also be tangible things, material things, and money. Money in itself is not sinful, but Jesus is clear here that there is a problem with money. We do have a problem with money, and it takes constant and persevering effort to fight off the attraction of money, the lure of the better life that it tells us that it will give us. Your treasure is what you value, what you crave, and some of it will be related to money, and some of it will be related to your sense of identity and where you find your worth. Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be there as well. The desires of our heart are the things that we crave, that we value, that we can't really do without, the things that we direct our energy and attention and resources to. So just pause and think for a moment, what is it that you direct your energy and attention and resources to? And what is it ultimately that you're seeking when you do that? The heart of this issue for me is identity, where we find our identity and our security. Do we find it in being comfortable? Do we find it in our status, in other people's opinion of us? Do we find it in the things that make us feel good? From where do you draw your sense of yourself and your sense of identity? In verse 24, Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. And in the old language of the older translations here, instead of money, it said mammon. It's a very old word, but actually the old word is better because mammon incorporates more than just money. It brings in all material things, all the things of this world that this world values status, success, image, possessions. You cannot serve those things and serve God. Oh dear, that is hard teaching, isn't it? Because we would really like to have a foot in both camps. You cannot belong to God but also draw your safety and your identity from those things. If you're drawing it from those things, then by definition, you're not drawing it from God. You're just pretending to. We can't have a foot in both camps when it comes to trust. Not when it comes to our security and our identity, our source of life. Where is our security anchored? Either you trust God or you don't. Either your security is in God or it isn't. We can't say my safety is in God, but actually it's also in having enough money. I quite like my comfortable bank balance, actually. It makes me feel secure, if you've got one. We can't say that my sense of identity and of who I am comes from God, but it also comes from what other people think of me. And maintaining my image, that really matters to me. It has to be one or the other. It can't be both. And I wonder which it is for you. To what extent is your sense of value, your sense of self, tied up with what you do and what you have or don't have rather than who you are on the inside and what God wants to make of you? Our status in other people's eyes makes us feel good. It just does. And actually, most of what we want in life, most of what we crave actually is tied up with what other people think of us. We want to affect how other people see us. Why is that? Why does that carry so much value? This sense of what other people think. Where is our treasure? In the message version of these verses, it puts it like this. The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and where you will end up being. This is why it's so important to see clearly where our treasure is because it's where we're God knows the things that we humanly treasure and he is always reaching out to us to point us towards the things that really matter. Jesus has never said and never did say that this world and the things of this world don't matter. But what he did say is that those things will not last. Our luggage allowance for our final journey is zero. I was really struck at that statue of the emperor that Judith put up and just thinking of how much he had when he was on earth. And yet what good is that to him now when he's just a statue? Our luggage allowance is zero. We cannot take our possessions, our bank balance, not our status, not what other people think of us. None of that goes with us. If our treasure is in this world, if the things of this world are the be all and end all for us, then they will be the end. Jesus urges us instead to put our value in. To put our trust in and make our treasure the things that will last forever. Oh, my clicker's not working. There we go. I think we have a beautiful picture of this in this just very small vignette that we had of Joseph and Mary. Let's not think that Joseph and Mary were somehow superhuman and not interested in money and material and practical things or that they were not interested in other people's good opinion of them. They would be subject to all of those realities. All that we are subject to, they would feel all of the same things. And it crossed my mind that when the angel told each of them what was going to happen and the origins of this baby that they're going to have, that they would now be responsible for, it crossed my mind that actually they could have asked for more. I'm going to be carrying God's son. Well, surely I'm going to need to be attended by the best doctors. And I assume you'll sort us out some suitable accommodation, a nice, warm, clean hotel room for the birth. You want me to bring up God's son as my own son? Well, I'll need a steady income from my business then to provide for him, and you surely don't expect Mary to travel by donkey back, do you? I think I need a new vehicle. But they don't do that. The very grace of God that arrives in human form is received in poverty and simplicity with no financial security, actually. The people that God chooses for this unique task accept what he asks them to do without asking for anything. Their lives are what they are, they're not luxurious. And in fact, they are gonna lose people's good opinion by going through with this. They have to trust it all to the God they believe in. The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Mary's treasure, Joseph's treasure, Their security, the only security they have is in the God they trust. And they are content to go forward on that basis. When we simplify, we say that our well-being and our security is anchored in God. She laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Seriously, God? You didn't even sort that out? You didn't even provide a room? I have palpitations just thinking about that. But God knows what he's doing. What Mary and Joseph ended up with was very far from being perfect. And I'm pretty sure it was very far from what they would choose. But they were willing to do it God's way. They didn't get too obsessed with image, with how it looks, or with everything being perfect. That's not what mattered here. It is in the imperfection, the lack, in that empty space where all the things that we would want would be that God can enter. And they couldn't get too attached to outcomes. Not only do we get too obsessed with possessions and with the security that looks like pound signs, we also can get too hung up on things turning out a particular way. We get attached to a certain outcome and we just can't give it up. I'm sure that Mary and Joseph had some lovely plans for their life together and what it was gonna look like and I'm pretty sure it didn't include an illegitimate child before the wedding. I'm sure Mary had some lovely dreams about the wife and mother that she wanted to be, and I'm pretty sure they all got smashed that day that Gabriel turned up. If they had been determined to hold on to their desired outcomes here, it really wouldn't have gone well, would it? There are things in our lives that just don't turn out the way we thought, or the way we planned, or the way we dreamed. You find yourself in a particular place and you think, what am I doing here? This was not in the plan. What Father God saw in the hearts of this young woman and this young man was a willingness to let go of the things that they may have imagined or wished desired and it was that that freed them up to discover God's plan instead. We cannot find that level of trust if we are still finding our security in other people's opinion of us. Material things and pound signs. We cannot serve two masters, we cannot place our trust in both, it's one or the other. And I wonder to what extent our lives could be changed and what could be released if we simplified our expectations and relaxed that conviction that, well, this is how it must be and if it isn't, then it's all gone wrong. What if? it's arrived from what we wanted, but it hasn't all gone wrong? What if it's arrived from what we wanted, but actually it's right? Can we accept that? The obedience of Joseph and Mary is seen in their willingness to go with God's plan even though it's not theirs, to let go of what they wanted and accept that this isn't a path they would have chosen, but somehow it seems to be what God wants. As we prepare for Christmas, can you simplify your demand for particular outcomes? that are the particular outcomes that you want for certain things? And can you just trust those things to God instead? Jesus simplified everything, you know. All the things that we just can't seem to resist making complicated, he simplified. He simplified pride, he simplified forgiveness, he simplified who's in and who's out. He simplified the way to God. Life is complicated, love is complicated, but our God is not complicated in what he asks of us. And sometimes, what actually gets in the way and what is blocking us in our relationship with God is that we've got tangled up in all these complicated expectations of what we think he wants from us and how we keep failing at them all. But in the end, it's not complicated. He just wants us to let go of the other things that we find security in and trust ourselves just to him. He wants us to let go of the other things that we find our identity in, that we find our value and self esteem in and to find our value and our self worth and our identity just in him. The word evangelical is a particularly churchy jargon word. 99% of people outside of the Christian church would not know what that word meant, although they've probably heard it. And actually quite a high proportion of people inside the church might struggle to say what it actually means, even though we have heard it being used quite a lot as well. Evangelical is a descriptive word and its root is the Greek word Evangelion, which means good news or the bringing of good news. And it's the word that is used in the New Testament for the message of Jesus. And the four gospel writers are sometimes referred to as the four evangelists because they are writing of and bringing the message of good news so that it isn't lost. If we are evangelical, which we are. What that means is that we believe and trust what the gospel says, what the good news that Jesus brought says, and we live our lives in the light of that. Our lives are not shaped by what any church institution says, or what the state says, or what any particular ideology says, what social media says, what advertising says, or what the people around us may say. We are evangelical because our lives and our sense of identity is shaped by what Jesus says. The message that he came to bring. It's the only message that matters. In a world where we are bombarded by messages from all sides that want to shape us, that want to shape our thinking and sign us up and draw us in, his is the only message that matters. We believe and trust in what he says about us, about our identity about our value and our purpose, about our lives. And that's what we base ourselves on and not anything else. Let's do another little word study here. To complicate means to make or become complex, to be intricate or bewildering. Complicated things have many parts and it's hard for us. But the word simple means being composed of one thing, not complex, easy, without addition or complication. And so here's what we need to do, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his ways, and then everything else will be taken care of as well. One thing, why do we find this so hard? Simplify. One thing, we have to seek him and his ways and live our life in the light of what he says and not what anyone else says and everything else will follow from that. We are evangelical. We live in the light of what Jesus says and under the power of what he says about us and about our lives. And his good news, his evangelion is that the limitless generosity of God can overcome all of our fears and wipe them out and we can be free of them. The fear of not being good enough. The fear of having everything that we have taken away from us, the Evangelion of Jesus can free us from our fears. Simplify one thing, seek his kingdom, his ways, and everything else gets taken care of. It's so simple, but it is hard for us to fully grasp. You focus on seeking God. You focus on listening to his voice and everything else that you need in life. Every problem, every need will be taken care of by him. But what do we do? We don't bother to seek him. We ignore his kingdom. We have no time for him or to seek him because we're way too busy being busy keeping up with all the other voices all the other pressures that we have allowed to influence our life and to shape the person that we feel we need to be. This Advent, this Christmas, will you take the time and the thought to recognize those other voices and silence them? Sweep them out of your house and your heart and focus on the one voice that matters and what he wants to say to you. And you will find you are richer than you could ever imagine. Let's pray. God, our Father, will you plant this truth deep into our soul and our spirit this morning? that you are the source of life, that you are our only place of safety, that you have set us free from all that this world wants to tell us that we are or that we are not, and that you ask of us just one thing, to seek you first. Yours is the only voice matters. In this season of consumerism that takes place in your name, teach us how we can find that still place, that quiet place where you are. And will you speak your words of truth and light into our souls?